day. I'm Lorraine Lawson, an associate editor with Bank Automation News. Welcome to The Buzz. Recently, I spoke with Kimberly Sutherland, Vice President of Fraud and Identity Strategy for LexisNexis Risk Solutions. We discussed what banks need to know about the firm's most recent cybercrime report, the new cybercrime landscape, global risk, regional trends, industry opportunities. I guess the best place to start maybe is if you can tell me what you've learned about where fraudsters are targeting their efforts. I noticed it mentioned new account creation and new lines of credit. Um, But what can you tell banks about where fraudsters are going to go after them at? So one of the things that, you know, is consistent year after year with fraud is that fraudsters will always adapt to the areas that are the easiest to attack. Um, They're going to. And so um, what we're seeing is in this uh, cybercrime report that was focused on the second half of 2020. So it was from July to December. uh, We saw that uh, from a demographic standpoint, Individuals under the age of 25 and over the age of 75 were the highest target attack, um, targets of attack. So the younger uh, population, number one, and that older population is number two. And I think it's really interesting because some of that was new to digital users um, as a result of the shelter-in-place, stay-at-home activities, the the lack of in-person transactions, a lot of people moved online to their uh, activities. So we saw, you know, quite a significant increase in uh, digital traffic in general. But that that audience um, may have less familiarity with uh, um, identifying uh, attacks that are occurring um, they may be a little less focused at this point on cybersecurity. And for the younger adults, I think it's very interesting because they are usually the most tech savvy, but we often have, um, need, we often need to segment tech savvy from being tech secure. So, um, I, I just think that for banks, especially paying attention and, mo- and many banks are doing campaigns, um, around helping their, their customers just be more vigilant that attacks are on the rise. So that's the first thing I would um, comment on. The second thing is just that the whole move to mobile is continuing to become even more prevalent. So there's always been a mix between um, desktop transactions that are um, online or even mobile browser, but we're seeing a, a real strong adoption of mobile apps overall. And that's really great, but that also means that fraudsters are going to drive there as well. So when they go after people with these attacks where they're creating a new account, for instance, or targeting a credit, new line of credit, do they go directly to the bank or do they try to go through the user, like to get the user to create a fraudulent account? Or how does that, well, how does that work? Thing, yeah, the easiest thing for the fraudster is actually to be the one to create the account themselves. So when we see a lot of fraud attacks at new account creation, a lot of that is driven by um, the Attempted use of, of a stolen of um, stolen information, uh, information that's been accessed during data breaches, and so there now is uh, a plethora of data available, often enough to be able to create a new account, um, rather than having fraudsters solely focus on account takeover efforts where they're trying to take over an existing account. Um, fraudsters have often gotten heavier into the business of just 
creating new accounts on their own. And that also goes to synthetic identity fraud, which is something that um, may not be as focused on in the digital channels, but the idea of being able to create a completely fictitious identity um, and let that nurture over time um, and continue to um, build up credit and other things before they cash out is um, an initial a, a fraud attack that we've seen over the years, and it continues to grow. Now, one thing I thought was interesting was attackers are using bots. That's not exactly a new trend, but I was a little confused um, because on page seven, it shows that attack bot attacks were down, but on the page before, it said that they were 2.1 million bot attacks up 2 billion from 2019. So are there more attacks or less? Or <laughs> What's going on with bots? Yeah, so, you know, bot attacks are complicated. Um, you know, one of the best ways to address fraud and also to address cybersecurity is with layered um, approaches, of uh, layered defense. And so many of our customers um, that, act, that have transactions that come into our ne- network already have a perimeter defense. So a lot of those bots are already caught at that phase. But then there are many bots that still can make it through, seem very much like a human. So from a number standpoint, for the full year, we actually saw bot attacks increase by about 100 million, which is the opposite of what we saw for human-initiated attacks, which was closer to being down about 200 million. So we saw an increase overall. For that second half of the year, however, it's interesting that we we actually saw about a 2% decrease globally in bot attacks and a further 8% decline for financial institutions with bot attacks. That's a global perspective for the second half of the year. Now, let me just add one more area of complication on that. In the U.S., that was not the case. Even in the U.S., the second half of the year, we saw an increase of bot attacks. So I think it's really important when we look at the statistics that um, many of our financial institutions are reviewing is that they may need to make sure that they're paying attention to is this a global statistic? Is it a regional statistic? And um, what is it, you know, how does it really apply to my particular business? Because we often see trends very different in regions. EMEA, um, so Europe especially, saw a significant decrease um, in Latin America as well in bot attacks within our network. But we did not see that in the U.S. and Canada. Any idea why that would be? Why the U.S. is a hotspot for attacks and other countries still a decline? Well, one thing I'm not the most proud of is that we often see that the U.S., Canada, um, and actually the U.K. are the top three in initiating bot attacks. So we're getting attacked, but we're also the attacker as well. And so I think that many people often uh, assume that uh, malicious attacks, you know, from bots are coming from, you know, countries all over the world. And and that's true. But guess what? The U.S. is at the top of the the list often. And notice Russia was missing from the list. Is there not data from Russia or? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say Russia and China, which we often hear in news, um, are not as represented within our data. So I can't really speak to that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that um, as while we are very much have a global footprint, 
we don't have as much traffic in uh, Russia and China from a customer standpoint. However, we would still be able to see transaction volumes, uh, transactions uh, originating from Russia or China or other um, high profile countries that are often in the news. And we did not see that as much in our data. Interesting. So um, I said the report said large North American financial services networks bear hallmarks of mule activity. What is mule activity? And can you tell me about this broad network that you detected? Yeah, so mule activity is when um, a fraudster um, is able to uh, recruit other individuals to assist in the fraudulent act. Um, this another is another one of those things that is highly targeted at young adults, college students especially, that um, are may see this as a quick way to make a little extra money. So I know in the UK and some of our European countries that we see um, even advertisements online, on television, about making sure that they're not accepting um, to deposit a check, for example, from a stranger with the promise that they can keep a certain percentage of it and then just give, you know, the rest to the um, to the fraudster. Um, it may seem fairly innocent and it can even be positioned as a, a job, right, that uh, on, a, on a job posting where you're uh, depositing funds and then um, temporarily to be able to send them to your new employer. So that is what a mule attack um, approach is, where you have multiple individuals. And in those types of um, fraud rings, we'll see multiple targets, um, often across multiple countries, where the uh, the financial institution is receiving funds that will most likely have the, the risk of even um, not being legitimate, a legitimate check. And the fraudster is um, hoping that they can have um, more innocent, and I'll use the term victims in the process, to be able to cash that check and then um, the fraudster gets to get away with the, with the funds in the end. Oh, clever. Uh, so you talked about the layered defense. What does a layered fraud defense look like and what role does automation play in it? So a layered defense means that you're paying attention to not just, for example, the data that's being um, shared, but the device that the that data is coming from, the location of the device. Um, you're looking at things like um, a verification step to ensure that the data that is shared is uh, goes together, is valid. And then even adding in things like fraud analytics and uh, authentication. Where automation comes into play is pretty much in almost any of those steps, right? Automation can be used for orchestration of the different layers. Um, it's very common to uh, have multiple products that can be used in a platform to automate workflows so that uh, way advanced decisioning can be made um, and you can start to build out a risk-based authentication method. So for lower risk transactions, you're going to have maybe uh, less need for uh, active uh, active authentication where you're having the consumer engage in the process. Maybe passive authentication is enough. And then in maybe higher risk scenarios, 
Maybe you even have to ask an individual to supply a driver's license or passport, um, even in a digital environment, uh, to be able to um, ensure that you are reducing your risk profile or maybe sending something that's common for people like a one-time password or even a push notification within, an, within a mobile app. So that's the concept, you know, layered authentication or layered approaches to fraud detection and fraud prevention goes hand in hand with developing a risk-based model for uh, fraud mitigation. Um, so the other, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. The other thing with um, uh, automation is that one area that often is not talked about a lot is the need for manual review. Um, that happens in financial institutions as well as retail and e-commerce. And it's a very costly thing to have a lot of uh, individuals in, uh, manually addressing those uh, high fraud or high risk indicators. And that's a great spot for uh, automation as well to be able to, to take some of the manual nature out of those um, approaches. So, Banks, where do banks need to be targeting their defenses right now uh, or their efforts? Where's the where's the big sort of payoff for them to to focus their defenses on? Uh, banks definitely need to think about their um, mobile uh, customers and their mobile apps. And that is, you know, I think because we are seeing such a high volume. But I would tell them to not forget that. Uh, an omni-channel approach, paying attention to branches are open. Um, you know, call centers are, 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 are receiving calls. So paying attention to all of the channels that they're receiving transactions from their customers because the fraudsters will find the area that is not being uh, manned as much, right, though the area that doesn't have the same uh, equivalent types of, of fraud uh, defense mechanisms. So I, I think that, you know, for the most part, um, financial institutions are, are very much aware of the importance of this. Um, and I think also that, you know, we're seeing more and more need to increase your risk signals. Um, so things like behavioral biometrics, uh, that is a, an a amazing solution that has very little impact, uh, no impact to the customer experience um, because it's passive in nature, but it is very effective at detecting a human versus a non-human, um, so like a bot, or a, a, a good customer versus a fraudster that may be cutting and pasting information or spending time on a screen much quicker than normal, um, navigating in a way that's very different. So I, we're seeing a lot of interest in the usage of things like behavioral biometrics, um, incorporating that into traditional workflows. That's good because I'm hearing a lot about, you know, automating loan origination and some of this account opening. And that's it's a big trend right now. And uh, I wonder if banks are remembering the security aspects of that. Uh, so that's good to know. I did have another question. I probably won't include this in the podcast, but uh, my boss wanted to know this. Um, so when these people are attacking and using bots to attack, how do they where do they get their bots? Like, did they set up their own uh, system, like in their basement, or where are the bots located? You know, fraud is a business. You know, fraudsters have become more and more sophisticated 
And there are build a bot tools. There are rent a bot tools. Um, it's not that difficult now to be able to create these automated scripts, right? Because really all a bot is, is an automated script of some nature. So to be able to, to have, um, instead of an individual going and making the attack, it's so much easier to have a series of scripts going out to try to, you know, make those attacks instead. Um, so bots are, are, are not that difficult to create. Um, and fraudsters are very aware of uh, ways to create, rent, share <laughs> the, the uh, bots in, in their processes. Can they go onto the cloud and, and launch their bots from there? Or, I mean, I was, just, I would think absolutely. Do they do that? That's absolutely. bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, some things can be added through malware. Um, that's one way to execute or, or to make a, um, to proliferate. Prolif- I can't even say the word. Sorry. Proliferate <laughs> <laughs> a, a a series of attacks through um, mal- a malicious. Um, piece of malware. But I think that the situation is that um, it's, it's very common now for uh, automated attacks the same way that we're talking about automated fraud detection. It doesn't take as much computer power as maybe I thought sounds like. And computer power is cheap, right? Buying multiple servers is not as expensive as it used to be. Yeah. You've been listening to The Buzz, a Bank Automation News podcast. Thank you for your time, and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com for more automation news. You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please don't hesitate to rate this podcast on your podcast platform of choice.